The way to think differently is to act differently and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals into actionable strategies you can use to think big, start small, and learn fast, and find your edge with excellence. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast. On this show, I'm delighted to be joined by Kanika Tolver, best-selling author and founder of Career Rehab. She's worked in many domains from federal government to consulting and now an entrepreneur and business founder. She's helped people turn their career around, find purpose and power to go after their dreams and divorce the jobs that have been holding them back. She's a frequent writer for The Entrepreneur, coached hundreds of people, but most importantly, she's really inspired me about how she's helped people find opportunities to do the best work of their lives, transform their careers to be happier, healthier, and find higher performance roles that are suited to them. But how she found her way to launching a coaching business wasn't a straight line. It started somewhere else, and she followed the signals. I was always in tech, and I always had a very successful career. I was able to make six figures very fast in my 20s. And then I started to do resume writing on social media. And then, you know, I would write people's resumes and they would get the job. But then they would start coming asking me about the hard questions like how to do salary negotiation, how to deal with toxic managers, how to do career changes. So it started to evolve into like, oh, okay, well, they're taking my advice beyond me writing their resume. So maybe I am a career coach. So that's I didn't say, oh, I want to be a career coach today. It was like they saw me being successful, being a woman in tech. They saw me reaching all these milestones. So they started to ask me questions about how I navigated those same challenges. And this is really interesting as well, right? Because you've worked in lots of interesting companies. You've worked inside the government sector. You've worked in private sector. You know, there's like a, a lot of different sort of angles that you're sort of tackling here. What did you find were some of the challenges about finding the right career in some of those different domains? What I found is I had to be true to myself and I had to find out that in the federal government space, me being a very innovative thinker and having an entrepreneurial spirit, that some of those types of best practices and the things that I wanted to kind of live by didn't always align with certain organizations. So what I did was in 2014, I left the federal government space to go work at Deloitte and some other private sector tech companies. And that's when I really found my niche, my groove. I really found how to embrace all of the innovative things that I wanted to do with web technologies and website and UX and agile. So that's what I had to really learn that I needed to align my personality with organizations that thought like me and wanted to build products and services that I was passionate about. That's really interesting, actually, because one of the things I often talk a lot about is finding sort of collaboration fit. For me, in my business as well, like I work great with certain types of clients, right? It's finding the right client that's going to bring the best out of me and then me being the best out of them. But I often think sometimes, especially in our career, we sort of feel a little bit like we're locked into our job, you know, and we're right in the middle of the COVID crisis. And I know many people are probably feeling uncertain or and maybe they're unhappy in their job, but now they're thinking, well, I can't leave. If I leave, what's going to happen? And I think you've got some great advice for people in this space. One of the things that 
drums out in your awesome book is just like getting people to be comfortable to sort of find the right job or not to be afraid to break up with their job. Can you share a little bit about your, some of the things you've noticed in that space? What I've noticed in this current space with COVID-19 and just in general, you know, people being in jobs that they don't like, I think there's a lot of fear there. There's a lot of fear and anxiety. Even before COVID-19, people were willing to, I always say sometimes people are willing to go insane for stability. Their sanity is compromised with the idea that I have a check every two weeks, but I really don't like my job. I really, really don't like my job. So for me, I like, to say that, you know, you should focus a little bit more on turning that anxiety into accomplishments. This is kind of unlearning the idea of standing in that fear and in that anxiety and accepting what that organization is giving you because it's safe. So I think if we turn that anxiety into accomplishments, we can start to take courses online, read books, challenge ourselves to get certifications and expand our online network right now since we're at home so we can try to connect with people that can help us get new positions like recruiters and hiring managers. So I think we got to rethink the way that we're working right now because we can't do a lot of face-to-face interaction. What I really like about what you're saying here though is even this notion of online communities, like if you're curious about a new topic or a new skill, like finding those communities online is is actually probably going to be another great way to not only learn about what you might want to do, but I'm sure like those are the people that maybe bring you into their community if they're often in those types of roles. Yeah, what I've seen since COVID-19 started, I have seen people being able to really connect with experts like you and I through webinars, through Zoom meetings, through, you know, attending virtual conferences, or just Now that I have more time to actually reply to you through direct (laughs) message and through tweets, now I feel like people are more connected to the authors are right now, the authors and speakers and experts. We're like the rock stars because celebrities, artists, they can't have concerts right now. So it's like we've been able to put on these virtual events and we've been able to really be able to inspire and educate people to think differently about their business and their career in this space right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Like the access to knowledge now is probably like entertainment for people. And that's really interesting insight. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that at all. It's kind of cool. One of the chapters, again, that really stood out in the book for me, though, was this idea of like breaking up with jobs or fearless resignations. I've had a multitude of sort of work experiences, right? I've been fired from jobs. I've been companies or startups have failed and they had to like let me go and there's really only two jobs that I sort of resigned from to do something you know one was the last job where I sort of resigned to go and take the entrepreneurial risk to a certain extent you know and and even I remember as I was like writing my resignation I found it really hard and I had to dwell over like how am I going to take this risk if I start this company god I'm leaving this sort of job at a great role. I was traveling all over the world. I had amazing colleagues around me. I was in like a, as you said, maybe almost a little bit too safe a space. Um, and those paychecks were, you know, feel good. I get my dopamine hit once a month, you know. And, <laughs> but I definitely felt like there was something in my stomach. Sometimes for me, the signal was like, when I feel comfortable, that makes me uncomfortable. But I think also the thought of like, resigning makes me uncomfortable and definitely did at the time. So you know, what are some of the advices you have for people as they're feeling some of these sort of emotions at the moment or they're having these thoughts about 
maybe there is something better. Maybe I need to get out of the position I'm in and change domain, like change role altogether. I'm curious to be a designer, but I've spent my whole time maybe, you know, working in a different field. You know, what are some of the things that you've helped people with or just go through that process? Yeah, fearlessly resigning from jobs isn't always an easy task, but I think, you know, preparation helps to deal with that fear a little bit better. So a lot of times when I have clients that are changing careers, I think being able to skill up and getting some knowledge in the areas where there's gaps, it helps it to not feel so scary, right? I'm never going to tell someone to like quit their job without having another job or quit their job and they have a family and things like that. I think it's so important to have preparation. I like the idea of dating jobs in a sense because a lot of times we've been in relationships with people that we knew that the relationship was over. But because the familiarity of being in a relationship with that person, it kept us there. Whether it was a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, a good best friend, because of the tenure and because of what we felt like we were kind of getting out of the deal, we stayed. And really deep down, we were not happy. So fearless resignations is kind of like, you know, this relationship with this job been over. So in order to start preparing to, you know, dump this job, you should start thinking in the back of your mind, what can I do to get ready? What can I learn? Who can I connect with? Who can I see that can, you know, refer me into the hiring system so I can I don't want a messy breakup, right? Because, you know, messy breakups kind of leave us in this limbo situation. I'm not encouraging us to do fearless resignations and the breakup is messy and we're out here with no job, no money. I want you guys to definitely prepare yourselves by learning more skills so you can kind of get into that new role and thrive. Yeah, so I think what resonates massively here as well is, you know, what I'm hearing you say is, it's not just walk in one day, write it on a napkin, throw it in right. your, your boss's face. There's actually a system here, right? Where you're talking about small little steps, like educate yourself in a new domain, try and upskill areas you're interested about. And, you know, taking those small steps is essentially what builds up your confidence to sort of be fearless. And I think, you know, that's a, it's subtle, but a very powerful system that you're describing there for people. So they can sort of tackle uncertainty in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes when you actually still have to go through the traditional resignation process of drafting up that resignation letter, communicating to your team and to your manager or your client that you're leaving, there still could be some fear there. There could be some sense of a scary feeling because now you have to like really formalize it and go through with the process. But I think having those other steps before that really helps to have a better transition into the new role. All right. See, you've obviously coached hundreds of people. You know, what's so inspiring about your story is you've coached people from minorities, obviously you're a female tech leader, you know, you've really helped uplift this groups and communities that are in many ways sort of, it's difficult for them to have their, find their voice and have those opportunities. So it's always inspired me to see the work you're doing. What have been some of the sort of standout moments for you as you've both helped people or some of the stories that really stick with you? Um, Some of the stories that are aligned with the chapters in the book that really stick out to me is, you know, build your brand by dating jobs. So I have this guy, Matt, we call him the speed dater. (laughs) It's a book, right? I met Max at Deloitte when I was working at Deloitte. We were both consultants. He was a younger consultant up under me. 
Max actually has been able to really take his career in tech to the next level. He's been able to speed date jobs. He's acquired a lot of certifications in AWS. He has CISSP. He has all these major experiences from different jobs. Now he's just accepted a new position recently as a cloud architect, you know, for the Department of State, almost at 200K, right? I mean, could you imagine? He surpassed me for our salary wise. But what I like about his story is he kept taking new jobs to get unique experiences and exposure to add to his personal brand and his resume. So staying in one job, you know, when we met at Deloitte, probably wouldn't have been the best decision because he's been able to work for so many different companies to gain more access to more knowledge and more experience. And now he's a little bit younger than me and he's getting senior level roles in the cloud industry. So that's another great story. Another great story is one of my clients, Daryl, he is someone that I helped and he landed a job at Microsoft. You know, Microsoft only has about two to 3% African-Americans that work for the company. In the book, he's in the chapter Network Like a Hustler. So what he did was he went to a Microsoft networking happy hour and he networked his way into getting a job offer with Microsoft. And those are just a few stories that I think have really been awesome to me because me being a woman and being able to coach men, because I coach women too, but just being able to see men in tech thrive and to take the advice that I have given them and to see them just go skyrocket has been an amazing contribution to my life as well. Yeah, I think that's such a nice point. There's nothing better, I I think any coach would say, than seeing people you work with, like even exceed your dreams. You know, I think there's, there's something really special about that. But I also think it requires a lot of skill and humility, you know, which you have obviously in abundance is like finding ways to help people get better on their own path. And it's not necessarily down to who's more successful or not. It's do they find this spot? And I think all these stories you have in the book, all these sort of examples of people who've like found their way into difficult, challenging spots for them, but they've grown into them. And I think that's so interesting that you sort of have created that. Like, So when you are trying to help these people, how do you start off with them? How do people start to really formulate or figure out really like what they might need to learn or unlearn to sort of go through this process of finding out what is the rehab rehab method that they need? So we first start off with the career rehab diagnosis, which is earlier in the book. And it's really kind of like, you know, the career rehab diagnosis is, it's an assessment. It's kind of like a self-assessment. You're going to go to the doctor and they're going to assess you and they're going to say, you know, they're going to figure out, do you have COVID-19 or you don't have COVID-19, right? It's the same thing with our career. We have to sit down and start to reevaluate the things that is working and not working in our career. And we have to adjust. Like in your book where you talk about how we have to unlearn, relearn. So that's kind of like an adjustment for most people because most people continuously want to do the things that feel natural and feel repetitive towards the things that have happened in their career. So a lot of my clients, we sit down and we really assess what's been working and what's not been working and we make those adjustments. So we go through education goals, you know, career goals, personal goals. Then we also talk about things like money and culture fit. 
Because sometimes we've been in so many bad organizations that if we have to really unlearn and relearn that that's not healthy. That's not healthy for our mental health. It's not healthy for our career. And we have to align our personal brand with an employer's brand that is a good fit. And that just requires us readjusting and not just taking job offers for the sake of taking job offers, but really digging in to see what is something that is going to be a good fit for us. Yeah, again, this sort of resonates massively with this notion of collaboration fit, you know, even in my own work. And it's tough, right? I think so many people are conditioned to sometimes like feel lucky that you have a job. And and I often think sometimes companies, you know, sort of can push that onto people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think what's even more dangerous and why, again, it's so inspiring what you're doing is when people like minorities or are often feel like they're only like one or two percent in these massive companies, which is just it's not acceptable. So then that's only going to further force this sort of, God, I'm lucky to have this job, but I don't feel happy, but I'm so lucky to have this job. So I better stay here. And I think it requires so much on learning, as you're sort of mentioning, for people to recognize that actually they deserve to find a fulfilling career. They deserve to find places that they will be recognized for who they are and their skills and capabilities that were own. And I think the fact you're helping people go through that process. I like in your book where you talk about stopping certain behaviors. You know, it's important for us to reevaluate the behaviors that we have been doing in the past that has made us felt like we need to conform to fitting in with a company culture that we know really isn't a good fit. We're only doing it because it's a Fortune 500 company or it's X company in Silicon Valley or whatever. So I think it's so important for us to understand that we're the MVP. We're the minimal viable product. They should be happy to have us. That's why I, how I coach my clients is that you're the MVP. So you have to feel that way and you have to negotiate your job offers. You have to do your research on the company so you can make sure that you align yourself with the right organization instead of just thinking like, oh, I'm just so happy that they accepted me. No, you, they should be just as happy to have you is you to have them. So I think when we shift our mindset to looking at ourselves as products and services, and we have unique offerings, then it changes the direction of the conversation instead of you just praising the company. No, praise yourself and then get with the right company. Yeah, I also really enjoy that framing of thinking of yourself as a product. You know, I think it's a really powerful framing. You know, often what I will say to people is just like products have features and we've got to constantly innovate the features in a product for it to stay relevant in its market and achieve product market fit, people have behavior. And to stay relevant in this market that's moving, you've got to innovate your behavior. And I think what even builds upon it more is this notion of direction that you're sort of bringing in as well. It's like, well, great, you can change your behavior, but in the service of what? Like, what's your purpose? What are you trying to get towards? And I think that's a really powerful way for people to start thinking about some of these methods like what is your product what are your key features what are you lacking how can you build them up i think they're really great takeaways for people to actually reflect upon one more piece i wanted to add is that in order for us to stop those behaviors we have to incorporate continuous feedback 
I had Jeff in the book because he talks about lean UX. And then I read the lean startup book, right? But the continuous feedback loop is you as the professional continuously getting feedback from your clients, your managers, your leaders, your employers, your team members, the stakeholders, anyone that you're coming in contact, incorporating that continuous feedback, it allows you to continuously improve. You can't continuously improve and unlearn those bad behaviors if you're not accepting that continuous feedback. It resonates so much. You know, we had Eric Reese on the podcast to talk about lean startup and, you know, managing uncertainty and product development. But, you know, I can see how all these principles just keep transferring. And it's great how you're bringing them to these different domains, right? Like to get people thinking of themselves as a product, you know, to actively create feedback mechanisms in everything that they do. What I've constantly noticed both in people I've worked with and, and the systems I've definitely tried to put into myself is like having feedback mechanisms built in, whether it's having coaches. I have two coaches, one to help me, you know, constantly challenge me about my business and then just challenge me about my own personal development. The best investment I think I've ever made in myself. You know, you can never overinvest in yourself. I think somebody said to me and it, that really resonates But then thinking again, like you're saying with my clients, like one of the things I constantly try and do on all my engagements is set up these like regular feedback loops, one-on-ones with the sponsors of what we're doing or with the teams having sessions where encouraging them to start giving feedback to each other. And every high performance team I've ever been in, we had a healthy culture of feedback and not like, oh, you have to give feedback to people once a month. Otherwise, you're not helping the team. People got to the point where they would proactively give feedback in context. So mm. when something happened, and um, both good or bad, you know, like people were able to sort of get to the point of giving feedback pretty close to the moment rather than being angry at them for like three months and then go, oh, yeah, I was angry because in the stand up you spoke over me or something like this, you know? And, yeah, yeah um, that's in the moment. That's a key point right there. Or not waiting to the sprint retrospective meeting to talk about what happened two, three weeks ago. That's powerful right there. But you know, it requires like courage to be able to step to your leader or to your team member and to give that feedback. And I think creating a safe place for organizations is back to the culture fit and collaboration fit, because a lot of organizations, they don't have that safe place for people to do that. I hear you. So this sort of brings me to like one of my other favorite sort of stories in the book from, I think it was Mario, this notion of like divorcing the job for the dream. I just like the titles of these chapters are like just so cool. It's like, it just sort of made me think like, yeah, like uh, that just reminded me of when I was working in my last job in ThoughtWorks, big, huge consultancy, phenomenal experience for me, like worked with amazing people. And I got so much out of it. But then I always had, you know, the dream to go back to being an entrepreneur and all of that sort of feeling inside me, like, you know, I was conflicted totally about like leaving this great opportunity or experience that I've had, but I had this dream and I needed to take this step, you know? So like, how do you help again, people recognize, you know, there's probably lots of people, you know, sitting in situations that they're not delighted with, that are uncomfortable, that are unfavorable, that are maybe they're even having these entrepreneurial dreams. Now they're like sitting at home, having these great ideas about the opportunities that are definitely going to come out of the situation that we're in and maybe just not having the tools to figure out how to take the steps to go after them. What are some of your advice there and inspiration, even from Mario's story that you could share? 
So I love Mario Armstrong. He's an amazing, good friend. He has a show on YouTube called The Never Settle Show. Never Settle Show, right? I love that name because it's like we should never settle in our career and we should never settle in business, right? Because in order to be successful in either area, you have a sense of resilience. So a lot of the times when I'm working, even for myself, I feel like divorcing the job for the dream is even a part of my journey. But I like his advice is because he kind of explains to us how to transition from this nine to five life into full-time entrepreneurship. And in order to do that, you can't never settle, but you're going to have to take a lot of things that you can take from your job that you're learning at work every day, like building products and services. You can take a lot of that transferable knowledge and skills into business. And I think sometimes we take for granted that we build products and services and we do things for corporations and for our employer, but we can actually take a lot of that information and build our website, build our product online, build our service online learn how to really get continuous feedback from our consumers of these products and services. We do it every day. We just don't realize it that when we're meeting with clients and stakeholders, we're doing it every day for our nine to five. And in order to get to the point where we can divorce the job for the dream, it goes back to what we talked about breaking up with jobs. You got a plan, right? You can't just divorce the job for the dream and it's a messy divorce and you have nowhere to live. You have no money. You know what I mean? So it's like, I like Mario's advice because he's actually helping you prepare for the transition to be able to marry your dream. We're divorcing jobs so we can marry our dream. A lot of us that have had nine to five jobs, we've been cheating on the job with the dream for like (laughs) 20 years, right? 20, 30 years. So what he's trying to do in this chapter and what he has done, because he's a full-time entrepreneur, he has fully married his dream by having an online business. And I think so many of us can do the same thing if we start creating our brand while we're still working the job. And then once it becomes successful, we can fully divorce it. I love all this, you know, and, you know, the bits that keep jumping out to me again is you're reducing risk here. People here like divorce the job or give up. They hear this like big leap, you know, and I think that's like just listening to how you're sharing these little like there's little small steps people can take to sort of work yourself into that position. So while it might sound like a big step, it's actually a culmination of lots of small steps. And I think that's a really important thing, I think, for people to sort of take to heart because it's figuring out these like, could I build a website? You know, can I spend a couple hours a week while I'm in the existing job, like doing that or testing some things out? So I'm curious from your own perspective, right? Like you've sort of done this. I want to hear your sort of examples about how you've gone from, you know, as you said, you're working in a federal government, like very stable, secure, paycheck coming every month, no worries. And yet here you are now like coaching people all over the world about how to improve their career opportunities. How did you make that transition? How did you get started and work your way into that? It's been a long journey and it's been a lot of trial and error. I had to do a lot of unlearning, relearning, and then now the book came and here's the breakthrough, right? Here's the breakthrough. So for me, I just want to give my story. I started off self-publishing a book called Life Rehab. Then I transitioned into career coaching and building an online presence. I was talking to another audience online last week and I told them, be the message before the book. 
build your online platform before you start trying to create all of these amazing things that I'm not going to say that they're far-fetched. I say that, you know, have a YouTube channel, blog, podcast, write for other online. That's what I did. I wrote for Glassdoor. Before I got my deal with Entrepreneur, I wrote for Glassdoor. I did a lot of podcast interviews. I don't have my own personal podcast show, but I pitched myself to a lot of podcast shows to get my message out there. Then I started to YouTube. I released one video a week. I maximized LinkedIn and Twitter, which are my two favorite platforms because I'm really able to be authentic, but I'm also been able to really educate, empower, and entertain people that have been listening to the message for the last couple of years. So my advice to those that really want to do this and really want to build their personal brand is to start small and build out as you start. So start with a blog. Pitch yourself to write for other online sites like Inc., like Forbes, like Entrepreneur, like Glassdoor. Then build out and Submit your book proposal if you want to write a book, right? Because in order to divorce the job for the dream, you got to have some track record. This is just sage advice. And again, you're reminding me even like my own story here as well, you know, like because when I was working in these jobs and doing work, like people were sort of encouraging me to say, you know, you should write about some of the stuff you're doing because people were asking me like, well, you know, how do you get people together to collaborate in a new product? Or like just these questions I was getting over and over again. And it was an interesting signal that like writing that blog was the first blog I ever wrote, I remember. And to me, I was like, why am I writing? No one's going to read this. This is, you know, and people read it, you know, and then it was so funny. The next thing that happened to me was then a publication. Like you said, someone was like, you should submit a long form version of this to this technology publication. And from there, who turned out to be ultimately my co-author of Lean Enterprise, Jez Humble, was actually in the same publication. And the next thing you know, he re- reached out to me and was like, hey, I'm writing a book and I've just been reading some of your blogs. And do you want to like write this book with me? You know, and so it's so funny as you're like sharing this stuff. I'm just like, what I learned from you is like I reached out to you because I read Lean Enterprise first. And I was so fascinated with all of the Lean Startup series of books. I have pretty much all of them. But I YouTubed you. I looked you up on YouTube and I saw some of your talks. So I think it's so inspiring to see that we both have different backgrounds. We, we both come from different you know, places. I'm an African-American woman. But at the same time, the journey is somewhat so much similar. Know, we took yeah. the same steps to get our book deals. And I think people have to stop overthinking it and just do it. Just write that blog, put that YouTube channel out, do that talk. Yeah, I think it's awesome. This notion of like thinking big and starting small, I think is so powerful. You know, it served me massively and obviously you as well in our careers. And yeah, because you can achieve big things. You know, I think it does feel daunting when you think big and go big, like going from not working your way, flushing out your ideas through smaller steps of little blogs or YouTubes or building out into your big book idea or whatever it might be for people. I think it's such a, a such it's a kind of like thing. the two week sprint, right? It's kind of like the two week <laughs> sprint. You're just trying to have some small features, some small functionality at the end of that two week sprint. That's going to be 
a portion or a piece of the bigger product. If we do incremental, iterative approach to our personal brands and our businesses and the things that we want to do, consistency is all it takes. It's just consistency. Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah. So I think then looking forward, you know, like we're, this is a very interesting time, I think, for people. I think COVID has really just, for me anyway, it's really just accelerated the digital process sort in terms of how we're working and how opportunities are going to emerge. So for people sort of looking ahead, what are some of the things you're sort of excited around, not only career development, but the, you know, the way that you can maybe reach more people and they can even find you? With COVID-19 happening, I'm really excited for the future of the workplace. I'm excited for more organizations to transition to remote. I think seeing bigger Fortune 500 companies to tell their employees that they don't have to come back to work for the rest of the year is amazing because it really shows that organizations and leaders see that people can still add value and they can still perform, even being at home with their kids and homeschooling and doing everything else. In addition to that, I'm just really interested in seeing more virtual conferences. I never thought I would see that this would happen, that people would adopt that model because me being a woman and me trying to get on this big stage now, you know, with the book, I felt like it was a hurdle and a challenge, but I feel like it's going to hurt the speakers that really depend on the money, you know, to be on stage. Definitely think it's going to hurt them in a different way, but I think it's going to give new speakers an opportunity to virtually get their voice and their message out there through um, virtual webinars and conferences and retreats and things like that. So that's what I'm super excited about with COVID-19 going on. Because even though it's a bad situation, I'm going to still try to push forward and make it a good situation for me and career rehab and for my career coaching clients. That's uh, great advice. You know, I think it's thinking about what opportunities these things are going to bring and yeah, hopefully, I'm hopeful too, that it does actually open up uh, broader audiences instead of, you know, the same top whatever amount of speakers that do the circuit. I think it's time for some fresh ideas and different faces. So like you said earlier, information sharing is going to be so much more cooler. So learning something online is going to be so much more cooler. Networking online and not meeting people face-to-face is going to become very normal and natural now. I'm excited about that as well. I'm excited about people learning how to do business pivots and career pivots during this period of time because the true challenge is like, now I really can't do traditional hiring. I really can't do traditional business relationship building face-to-face. So I'm excited to see people to develop new communication skills online. Well, I am excited to see not only what you're going to do, but all the people have the chance to work with you and what they achieve. So thank you very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Career Rehab, awesome book, highly recommended to people. And uh, look forward to keeping in touch with what you're doing in the future. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me on the Unlearn podcast show. Anytime. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.